When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Forward Progress on this Monday, October 23rd. We've got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was. Look forward to this week's lines and early market moves, as well as impactful injuries we're keeping our eyes on. And then we're going to preview the Monday Night Football, and we'll have a best bet at the end of that. If you're not already, you should really be subscribed to us. Hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content also smash the like button i know there's a bunch of you already in here please smash the like button we want to boost ourselves in the algorithm of course none of this would be possible without our sponsor pinnacle pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in ontario find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years everyday competitive odds your trusted sports book bet smart bet pinnacle must be 19 plus in ontario please play responsibly with that being said i'm your host george sofidis and i'm excited to get this show on the road i am joined this time by only one guest suma pro sports better creator on the hammer betting network suma thanks for joining me george let's get this one going oh Sad man that is not joining us today but uh, I guess he would have loved to join the Sunday Night Football discussion. discussion. I think he, I think he felt bad. He didn't want to tag team me two on one here, and he said, "Let let's just have a one on one fight." Uh, Suma, of course, you are referring to the Sunday Night Football game. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles last night beat the Dolphins thirty one seventeen. Suma, I guess my first question to you is: uh, the Eagles at home were under a field goal. Are the Eagles still underrated by the markets? Uh, yes and no. So I think that I think they covered every game they won. Correct me if I'm wrong. But when you watch the games, it doesn't feel like they are this great six and one top three of the league kind of team, if you know what I mean. So um, I think that their offense is or still feels really inconsistent and mm -hmm. i think there's also some concern about jalen hurts being injured um a few of his scrambles and runs last night looked pretty awkward and then in the second half he was wearing a knee brace so something must be there there were also a a few passes early in the game that were kind of off where i thought he could have hit a open receiver with like two steps steps of separation a lot easier mm -hmm. but i think it also speaks to the eagles because they are coaching these games very well they lean, lean into their strength if they can run the ball they will pound the ball until they are able to do their tush push at the line uh, at the um uh, opposing goal line um if they have a good matchup through the air they will throw it uh their their passing game has been very in, inconsistent or kind of incons, inconsistent for Eagle standards. I think that their D line is much better than we thought going into the year. And against the against the Dolphins, you also so 
I think they were down both starting safeties and their starting nickel cornerback. And you didn't really think that it was that big of a deal because the defensive line pl played very well. Um, I don't want to take any way, anything away from, from Tua. I think he made some some great plays, some some big plays down the field on like a third and 18. But overall, I think that the Eagles are probably priced right when you consider that they have been very dominant while still not playing up to their seeding potentially. Yeah, some of those wins were like the Viking uh, Vikings, where the Vikings had to fumble a million times in in the in the red zone, and against the Patriots week one, they they won by five, but it all came down to a two point conversion, and that was with an early hole that the Patriots put themselves in. Um, you know, uh, when I think about the Eagles, uh, I think there's so much talent. Uh, in a lot of different places, and it's just not a well-oiled machine yet. They're still leaving some meat on the bone. Um, they they had a good game plan against the Dolphins. The Dolphins like this stretch run uh, using motion to get around yep. the corner, and Hassan Reddick was playing very yeah. wide, and, and he was in the spot every single time. You mentioned the pressure. Uh, uh, Tua, with a, with a clean pocket, had 119 quarterback rating, and when he had pressure, he was 16.7. Uh, under pressure so like that was the skew in the game it didn't help that uh a lot of the injuries um seemed to hurt the dolphins specifically isaiah win goes out and now you're missing your left tackle left guard and center and it, it cost the dolphins a touchdown on the first drive where their left guard had to just uh hold on for dear life so tua wouldn't get hit and then it took seven off the board all right my question for you then is because there's a lot everybody monday is the hot take day of the week so my everybody <laughs> And everybody's competing with themselves to say who can make the most uh, strongest, hottest take of the day. And everyone's in a rush to um, run out and say the Dolphins got exposed and they're not that good. Um, where where do you land on the Dolphins as a team? I think my take is very nuanced on this. Um, I think that the Dolphins in general are, are a good football team. But what concerns me about them is that they are not really matchup proof. They, or it seems like like they need specific ways to win. Um, their defense is bad and has been bad before Xavier Howard got got injured. And when their defense cannot generate stops against the good offenses like Bills and and Eagles yesterday, you basically need a perfect A game from their offense. And when you don't get that, it's very tough for the Dolphins to hang or it seems like it's very tough for them to hang with the juggernauts um, in the league. You saw that against the Bills. You saw that against the Eagles yesterday. Um, so when we are saying that, okay, this offense will be completely fine going forward, but there are going to be games in which their defense cannot stop in no speed. And if the Dolphins cannot win at the line of scrimmage, they are going to be in trouble. And I think that's a little bit concerning when we think about January. I think for the rest of the regular season, they they will be completely fine. The offense will be fine, but it's always that small concern that I'm having from ga from games like yesterday. So when they cannot win at the line of scrimmage, and the offense can't be perfect, their defense is probably not good enough to keep them in in games like these, where opposing offenses seem to do or seem to be able to do whatever they can. Yeah, I'm of two minds. Uh, I think the Dolphins' defense will get stronger as the year goes on, 
as Fangio's system gets more and more implemented, as Jalen Ramsey gets healthy. Now we are we had a discussion in the morning about what you know how far does that get, and and I think you know a ceiling of average is is something to aim for, and with an average defense and a really good offense, uh, you can win in this league. Um, I I also say you know um, those are two rough t- tough road games. You know Buffalo when. Sure. Buffalo three weeks ago was what the second best team in football and the Eagles are still one of the five best teams in football. So it's, it's not all bad. If you told me Suma uh, in August, Dolphins are going to be five and two and have a one and a half game lead in the division through seven games. I would have taken that all day. You you give me that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now in the the day after a a tough loss, um, it's, it hurts a little bit more, but this is the fun thing. The, the Dolphins get back on track. They got a, a, um, a soft opponent again this week, although I think they're a little bit more frisky than the number says they are. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to watch the bounce back. Uh, there, If the Dolphins game was the most hyped game of the week, the game that was the strangest... Uh, actually, you know what? Before we do that, Suma, I said that if the Dolphins don't win, I'm going to give away $200 to someone in the chat. And this is why we encourage people to comment in the chat and engage with us because you never know when we're going to do something like this. So we are going to take all the names of everybody who chatted and commented, and we are going to spin the wheel, and someone's going to get $200. Our admin will reach out to you to get your contact information, and I will send the money over. So without further ado, uh, Producer Jason, can we spin the wheel and find out who's getting $200 off my tears? All right. Uh, looks like vinegar and vinegar and salted fries. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll reach out to you after the show and uh, we'll get your contact info. Okay, Suma, I was uh, starting to talk about the next game. If the Eagles and Dolphins was the most hyped game, easily the strangest game of the of the week was the Browns Colts. And Suma, I had the under 41. I thought it was a really good number. And uh, there was two touchdowns in three minutes, and I knew I was fucking cooked right away. Uh, let's start off with Deshaun Watson because he throws uh, a second pick that you know gets turned around. Uh, the ball hit the hit the ground. They check him for a concussion. He's cleared. Stefanski says, you know, we withheld him uh, just to just to make sure. And then after the game, Stefanski says, you know, yeah, Deshaun's going to be our starter next week. And then Deshaun uh, didn't sound as optimistic and. I had I was sitting there watching this guy on the sideline with a fully guaranteed contract. Suma, there's nothing, there's no more incentives, right? This is he's good for the next five years. And I was wondering to myself, uh, does Deshaun have the same fire or desire to play? And, and and maybe that's a cheap take after a guy gets you know a pretty brutal hit. But what what what's your take on what's going on with Deshaun Watson? So first of all, absolutely no clue. Um, regarding yesterday, I started watching after the first quarter. Uh, I s- switched over from the Ravens-Lions game because that, that one was basically over in the middle of the second <laughs> quarter. And um, it, it, they checked for a concussion, but I, I think I read today that he also took a hit towards his, his shoulder. Yeah. So it was maybe a precautionary thing. And Stefanski said he would have gone back into the game if PJ Walker got injured. So um, not sure what to make of that specifically, but I think this is very subjectively and maybe a bit, little bit narrative based. But when you watch him it, in in interviews, you you don't really 
get the sense that he holds himself highly accountable because he has been playing a lot of bad football this season. Yeah. But when you look at his attitude at the sideline and some of his pressers, you don't really get the impression of, of someone who is saying, hey, it was on me. I have to play better and stuff like that. So really weird situation going on there in, in Cleveland. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really crazy that the Browns are having a, a winning record, I guess, but it, it basically had nothing to do with their quarterback play. Yeah, uh, you think about, you know, you pay a guy $260 million at quarterback. He's supposed to be the leader of the team. And you know who the leader was? He stepped up and made like 500 plays yesterday. It's Miles Garrett. And I just wonder, uh, at what point do his teammates get sick of Deshaun's crap? You know what I mean? Where Where is the where is the fi fire? Where is the guy that was so confident doing the air guitar in Houston, putting up 31-plus points every game? I don't see that guy anymore. Um my question to you, Suma, for, you know, stupid people like me who are on the under, what happened here? Like Jerome Ford, 70-something yard run against a good Colts run defense. And then the Browns' amazing defense gives it right back to Josh Downs' one-play touchdown. What what happened? Why was this the wackiest game of the, of the week? Yes, so there are two components. So first of all, I think that the Colts offense, yes, the, the Browns defense made a few key plays. Yeah. But I think overall, their defense got both raised by Gardner Minshew. Like, he was beating that single high structure cover one defense, like, all the time, throwing bombs, throwing reckless. He he uh, didn't play like someone who was afraid of, of, of a great Browns defense. So that, that was very refreshing to see. And yeah. then there was a sequence. So... The Browns score that 69 yards touchdown on a third and two, where Jerome Ford was pretty much untouched. And then let me read the sequences after that. Their next scores, a uh, 36-yard touchdown after a Gardner Minshew fumble, a field goal where they had zero yards of offense after a blocked field goal, a fumble touchdown where um, Garrett had that strip sack, uh, strip sack a field goal where they had six yards of offense and a field goal where they had 17 yards of offense. So they basically scored 23 points while their own offense had like 60 total yards. Incredible stretch. Mm -hmm. So Cole's offense played, I think, really, really well. They just had that few mental meltdowns where they tried to um, chip Miles Garrett on the outside, didn't work out, strip sack, touchdown. Uh, fumble was bad. Blocked field goal was a phenomenal play by Miles Garrett. Yeah. But overall, I, I thought that I was really impressed by the Colts offense. And yeah, um, somehow we are looking at a 70 plus point game. Yeah. Um, you know what? This Colts offense, now that they got the running game going and uh, Josh Downs is a dude. Like this is this is a pretty exciting offense to to watch, and maybe I need to stop profiling them as an under team. Uh, let's talk Bills and Patriots. Uh, Patriots get Bill Belichick his 300th win, stunned the world, basically controlled this game from start to finish. Uh, they win 29-25. Suma, I guess my first question is: It's one thing for the Dolphins to have a bad game against a really good opponent on prime time. It's another thing for the Bills to look pretty bad three straight weeks. And my question is, is it time to hit the panic uh, button on this Bills team as a Super Bowl contender? Maybe yes, because I think that the 
defensive injuries are really concerning. So they were without Ed Oliver, Dequan Jones, Matt Milano, Trey White. I think Teron Johnson got injured at some point, but I don't re remember correctly. And you really saw that the Patriots were able to, took it to, to take it to them exactly at those spots, like running straight up the middle for um, a, I think, 45-plus success rate, attacking the, the middle of the field with their tight ends. Like a, a guy like Matt Milano, I think he's so incredibly underrated. He was their green dot guy. He's covering uh, sideline to sideline. He, he can run with tight ends and... They basically are playing like rookies and undrafted free agents at linebacker right now. Yeah. Uh, without their, their top cornerback, defensive line is very soft right now. So that's a major issue going forward. And I, I would pr probably come back to what I, what I said about the Dolphins. So if that's the state of the Bills defense and let's say they cannot stop the good offenses in the AFC when it comes to, to January – their offense needs to needs to come up with some A plus games in order yeah. to to keep pace. And right now their offense is really really inconsistent. And um, I don't really have a good explanation because when you look at their games, I don't feel like they are doing different things all of a sudden. It's just that the casual stuff that they are very good at is not working consistent right now. And I'm I'm struggling on on Monday to really think about um, possible solutions to that, other than maybe it's a two or three game fluke, and Josh Allen might bomb the league away um, for the rest of the season. Might might absolutely happen. I, I just don't know. Uh, Arjun Menon put out a great tweet. He said, uh, "With Milano on and off the field, uh, passes over the middle of the field against this Bills defense when he's on." Teams have a minus 0.77 EPA per play and 38% success rate. Without Milano, teams are a positive 0.006 and 59% success rate. That's how much Milano means. And when they play against a team like, uh, you know, maybe San Fran or teams that like to eat over the middle, this Bills team is going to be in trouble. Let's give a little bit of credit to the Patriots here because part, yeah. of, part of the reason we all got down on the Patriots was their secondary became, you know, very injured, very banged up. And then now they get Jack Jones back off of IR. They get Jonathan Jones back. Um, they make a trade for JC Jackson, uh, even though there's a lot of negatives with him. But this Patriots secondary is getting healthier. And are we is that going to correlate with more success from for them? Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is that I think they were down three of their top four pass rushers against the Bills, Josh Uche, uh, Kian White, who had some flashes early in the season. Um, Judon's out. Yeah, Judon is on IR, yes. So um, if they get some more depth along their defensive line back, I think that from now on, we are probably looking at a pass defense that is going to play better than what we saw earlier the season, like against the Cowboys or something. All right, let's go on to the Falcons-Bucks. Uh, Falcons win 16-13. Um, I would have bet the Falcons. Um, my numbers made the game closer to, to one. Um, I'm not I'm not as high on Tampa Bay, but the teaser was just too juicy to not tease them up. Um, was this a misleading score? Like it feels like the Bucks were lucky that this wasn't a blowout. Yeah, I think so as well. Um the Falcons lost, which is pretty incredible. The Falcons lost 14.5 expected points 
on fumbles. And those yeah. fumbles occurred at the Tampa Bay 3, 1, and 20-yard line. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's imagine that they don't score touchdowns on those, just field goals. Yeah. The game would be 22-10 when the Bucks have their last drive where they scored a field goal, and the game probably ends 22-10 or 22-17. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. A kind of a misleading score. I think that the Bucks are really coming down to earth. We talked about it like two or three weeks in a row that Baker was excelling at all the unstable stuff like early downs, um, play under pressure, yeah. third downs. So they were high flying under pressure and on third downs. And that's something that you cannot really sustain without a foundation that uh, is good on, on early downs and stuff like that. And that game crushing down, I think right now, his his um, un under pressure numbers drop from, I think, plus 0.2 EPA per play on uh, downwards to a negative value. So yeah. uh, re regression hit them very hard. And I will also say the Falcons are shooting themselves in the foot like for two straight weeks with, I think, a total of six turnovers. Yeah. But their early down passing game or, or their passing game in general looks much improved over, over the last two to three weeks. So um, Kyle Pitts also looking more healthy. I think early, early in the season, you could clearly see that that guy is not ready yet, um, yeah. running slow, slow routes, slow cuts, and he's looking better and better. So they are trying to get Kyle Pitts and uh, Drake London involved. Him. Yes, and their run game is still pretty bad, to be honest, uh, outside outside of Bijan. Uh, but even with Bijan, they were not really successful running the ball over, over the last three weeks. But if their passing game continues to get better and maybe their, their running game can get a, a little bit better, I think my outlook for the Falcons would be more optimistic going forward. Yeah, me too. They had a lot of underlying things like their pressure rate uh, was a lot higher than their sacks that they were getting there. So they, they were on the cusp of things. They were doing some things well. And it feels like they were a little bit undervalued a, a couple of weeks in a row. Um, I watched the Bucks and Lions tape last week. and. Um, my come away wasn't that Detroit's defense was so dominant. You know, remember against the Chiefs how they dropped a bunch of open balls from receivers? The Bucks had a lot of guys open, Trey Palmer, Mike yep. Evans, and they, you know, either Baker missed through it or guys dropped the ball. And I said, hmm, that doesn't show up in the box score. So the guy who doesn't watch the game is very impressed by a Lions performance that I thought was a little bit misleading. It, it, it turned out uh, to turn its ugly head against the Ravens. The, the Ravens blow out the Lions. And my first question is, before we get into Detroit, is it time to start thinking of the Ravens as a top three team in the NFL? Yes, absolutely. Ab absolutely. They, they are finally playing like we thought they would after the first couple of weeks because they, they also shot themselves in the foot several times, like drops, turnovers, fumbles. And and now it was really the the first game where everything came together. Um, I think that Lama Jackson is is not a different quarterback all of a sudden. He, he basically played like this early in the season, but yeah. receivers had drops. He had that stupid interception um, in the end zone where where he threw a fade route to Odell Beckham against the Steelers, and that really masked how well he played on a on a down to down basis going into the week. Uh, the Ravens were first or second in, in early down success rate, and they absolutely killed the, the Lions on early downs. Like, Lions had no answer. They couldn't mm -hmm. stop the one. 
they couldn't stop the pass. And it's also interesting to know that the Ravens are pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that I would not take anything away from the Lions here because I thought it, it was just a terrible matchup for them stylistically. Yeah. I think Lions will be fine going forward. Jared Goff also had some issues with the wind because Lamar's throws looked very good, but some of these Jared Goff throws looked very awkward. So I think he also kind of struggled with the wind a little bit. And after after the second quarter, they were also in a bad game script. So um, just a bad matchup for the Lions. Stylistically, they will be uh, good going forward, but the Ravens are really looking like a strong contender right now because... Their, their offense is very matchup proof. They can run the ball. Lamar Jackson is is playing like an MVP candidate uh, when throwing the ball. And their defense, they are probably having the the best DC in the league right now. And um, their their defense is playing really, really way, really, really well. And, and they are also able to adjust towards their opponent. Uh, I've seen some prices. You know, Lamar between plus seven hundred all the way up to plus a thousand. Uh, for MVP, do you think it, this might be a Lamar MVP? Or the other thing people forget, Sumas, through four weeks, the Ravens were putting together a roster with band aids, and they got healthy all of a sudden. Something yes. happened. Every like other than Marcus Williams, this has been a healthy team. If this Ravens offense continues like this, uh, is Lamar going to be talked about as one of the finalists for MVP? Yes, absolutely. So also, if you look, if you look at the at the quarterback landscape right now, I mean. Patrick Mahomes is, is right there. Hertz is struggling. Josh Allen is struggling. Joe Burrow is completely struggling early in the season. So, I mean, who is really going to, to challenge Lamar if he continues to play like this? It's probably Mahomes and maybe one or two other guys that are maybe inconsistent right now. Josh Allen might be um, um, doing a 180 soon and, and the Bills offense might be clicking again. But right now, it's not like there's a fat distribution of a good quarterback player right now. Yeah. Um, and guys like Burrow and Herbert might have like already taken themselves out of the race like six games into the season. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought one stat that I pulled that was quite interesting, Jamison Williams today, he had six targets, no catches, and negative 58 receiving yards over expectation. He has not been good for them, and the Lions are going to need that dynamic offensively. Let's go to the last one, Steelers-Rams. Steelers win 24-17. Oh, boy. Suma, you, you are calling it on voodoo. I'm not 100% sure that voodoo is the answer here, but what was your takeaway when watching this game? So first of all, because I don't want to come across like a Steelers hater or, some, or something, so the Steelers made key plays and had key drives when it mattered. Yes. I will give them kudos for this. However, how the uh, how the game played out. So the the last Steelers drive where they got that uh, phantom DPI call and the ref spotted the ball like half a yard short on that uh, fourth down sneak by Kenny Pickett, which would have given the Rams the ball back with like, I think, over a minute to play for a, a game-tying touchdown. But... That was the third drive of the entire game where the Steelers had more than 22 yards of offense. Mm -hmm. um, their, their two touchdown drives were really good. They they played well. Pickens had some nice plays. Run game has been working. But I felt like 
the Rams missed seven points from for, from their kicker. Um, it was one was a fifty-two yard field goal. Okay, you might miss that, but they missed seven points of off of kicking. And if the game is twenty-four ten instead of seventeen ten, I don't know if the Steelers get back into it. Um, also, a I mean, great play by TJ Watt. He dropped into coverage, um, and he basically, as an edge defender, um, played a different route and intercepted Matthew Stafford. Great play by a great player, but I felt like for two and a half or maybe three quarters, the Rams were the, clearly the, the better team and should have led by 40 points, maybe. And then it just turned into a classic Steelers game where they made a key play on defense, um, Pickett is finally hitting Pickens uh, for some uh, for some back shoulder throws. Deontay Johnson had, had a good comeback. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it it was not like the the Ravens Steelers game, no. but I felt like the Rams had a very good shot at covering at some point. I think you said it best. The Rams for two and a half quarters looked in control of that game. This is the Rams have looked very good in, in parts, and then they have moments in games where even the Bengals game, if you remember in that third, fourth quarter against the Bengals, they got completely overwhelmed and couldn't do anything with the ball. Yeah. Um, th th this is this is the first game, Suma, where the Steelers won the success rate battle, which is incredible considering they're four and two. But the Rams had three drives in the, the last three drives of the second half where they scored 50, where they had 58 yards total offense. In fact, Stafford missed his last seven throws of the game. So as much as I want to just say it's voodoo, I actually think the Rams um, offense went missing when it mattered the most. They couldn't sustain a drive yeah. down the end of the game, uh, including some questionable sequences. Like they went run, run, pass uh, on three and out on a, on yeah. a must have drive in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, what the hell is McVay doing there? Um, okay, let's let's leave that there and let's look at like uh, look forward. Let's look at what's going on uh, this week. Um, before we do that, please, guys, if you're enjoying the content, hit the like button, boost us in the algorithm. We already gave away two hundred dollars. If you missed it, uh, if you missed the draw, the winner the winner was vinegar and salted fries, I believe. Whoever's name that is, we're gonna reach out to you. Uh, Suma, let's start with the Texans and Panthers. Both teams are coming off a bye, and the last time we saw the Texans and Panthers, uh, the Texans had a question mark with Tank Dell in the concussion protocol. The Panthers had an assortment of injuries, including both safeties, all their guards, it looked like. Um, J.C. Horn is technically eligible to come back. Uh, to me, the more interesting thing is this is the Frank Reich gets to play against the QB he wanted versus the one he got. Um <laughs> This line has been uh, was at three. Uh, we 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 saw a little head fake in the market, went up to three and a half, and since then there's been some buyback on Carolina. Uh, is that how you expect it? You you think this number is going to close under three? Texans uh, are too uh, too young of a team to be to be laying three concretely on the road against anyone. Um, probably yes. So Right Angle Sports had a release on the uh, pandas today. I think at plus three, which uh, put the market down a little bit. Um, so yes, probably yes, because the Houston offense has looked much much better than the Panthers one. So like these two quarterbacks, I don't want to cancel Bryce Young's career already. Yeah. He might do like a 
he might he might have a great second third year but right now it, it was really a tough situation or a tough combination of where adam thielen at 33 years old is your best receiver uh frank reich had some question play calling thomas Brown will call plays this week o-line was not great so i don't think that bryce young was put in in, in a great situation to succeed and the the result was that he really played or has been playing like a classic rookie mm -hmm. and cj stroud he does not look like a rookie he yeah. he, he looks like a three-year veteran making anticipation throws that you don't see from a lot of veteran quarterbacks uh, and I think this is probably separating these two teams. I also think that the Texans' defense is, is a little better than Carolina's. And yeah, injury-wise, I think the Texans might also get Juice Scruggs, their, their rookie, supposed to be starting center back. Yeah. And uh, Tank Dell, I think he's already cleared out of the concussion protocol. Um, yeah, secondary for the Panthers was a major issue. JC Horn, you said it. Xavier Roots was out week six with a hamstring, Von Bell. Jeremy Chin is out indefinitely, so he will likely not play this week. So, yeah, tough on the injury front for Carolina with a defense that was below average even before those injuries. All right, let's talk about Eagles and Commanders. And I actually want to talk on uh, the Commanders a little bit. They lose Cody Barton pretty early in the game, and it actually affected them. Uh, the Eagles right now are six and a half at Washington. There is a little bit of question marks with Jalen Hurts. He had the knee brace in the second half. He didn't run as much in the second half, and you wonder if his mobility will be down. I think my bigger question is um, we were discussing how poor Washington's strategy was. We knew Wink Martindale. He has one gear. He has a fastball, and he, he sends the house. And the, the commanders did not throw any screens. They did not have any quick hitters, no slants. Everybody was running 15-yard routes. My question is, did the Giants just unveil the strategy? Who cares about covering the receivers? Just send the house, and Howell's going to shrink. He's on pace to, to, to take 96 sacks, which is going to blow out David Carr's number of uh, by 20. And the thing is, Suma... He lost like 58 yards on sacks yesterday. He It's not that he just takes a sack. He doesn't even step up in the pocket. He gets back there. He sees the pressure and then he turtles in and he falls down. Like he gets terrified under the, the threat of pressure. And I wonder if did the Giants just unveil something. It, it, it reminds me of, do you remember when the Dolphins played the, the Ravens a few years ago on Thursday night football? Yes. And cover zero said cover zero. And they sent the house 58 times against Lamar Jackson. I just wonder if teams are going to say, okay, that's it. Forget the magic. Let's just send the house. Um, what do you think of, of, of the commanders if they got exposed and how big do you think the Jalen hurts injury is? Because right now at six and a half, it's got to be tempting to some people to bet on the Eagles here. Yeah. To be honest on the, on the Jalen hurts injury, no clue. I think, it limited him a little bit yesterday in terms of scrambling and running because some of these runs really looked kind of awkward. And there was one run, I think, in the first half where they, where he was scrambling for a first down and he still had some yards to go. Some defenders were closing in on him, but I felt like a healthy Jalen Hurts would have gotten two more yards, yeah. but he immediately went down to not take a hit. So something has to be there. Hard to quantify. Um, yes, blueprint. I'm not sure whether Sean Desai has that style in him where he might call like 40, 50% um, of blitzes because I think that the Eagles will already have a strong advantage at the line of scrimmage even without sending 
extra blitzers. Um, I think Sam Howell, it, it's a weird combination of him holding onto the ball or willing to hold onto, onto the ball and not really sensing pressure. Yes, there are some scheme issues, play calling issues, all on issues, but that guy is also holding on to the ball and really um, inviting sex at a very high clip. So it's a bad reset. Sometimes I felt like he could also try to scramble a, a little bit more out of these situations. But yeah, um, overall, it does not feel like, like a great combo um, between holding onto the ball and um, his scheme giving him no answers against a Wig Martindale defense. All right, let's look at this Jets-Giants game. There is no home field anywhere. It's, it's a, I guess it's a home game for both teams and, 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 a, and a road game for both teams. It's a neutral. Um, the Jets have Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, uh, who are still in concussion protocol. And you remember Sauce got his uh, concussion late Friday before the last game. So even though there's a bye, we don't know if he's going to be ready yet in time. The Giants are dealing with all the O-line injuries like – uh, top three tackles and their center and their guards. And uh, I guess my first question is, um, are you surprised that the line was three um, for a while here? And do you anticipate, listen, the money will come in on the Giants and we're going to close under three. And then my next question is, does this Giants team look better with Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback? So I made it around three initially, so I'm I'm pretty much on market right now. Uh, don't know whether the, the Jets will get Dwayne Brown back. He's eligible to come off IR this week. Um, Giants might get Andrew Thomas back from the hamstring injury. Um, I think that in general, the 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 Jets have a stronger of a defensive line that, than the Commanders, mm -hmm. and I also think that. The, the, the Jets cornerbacks will not get as exposed in, in man coverage as the commander's cornerback or secondary players got. So I think it, it will be a tougher matchup for the Giants offensive line in general. Um, regarding your Tyler Taylor question, I pretty much think so because um, there were some elements where he chucked it up down the field that was not there with, with Daniel Jones early, yeah. early in the season. I think that at, at this stage of Tyro Taylor's career, Daniel Jones is probably more dangerous as a running threat than mm -hmm. Tyro Taylor. But the 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 element in the deep passing game was simply not there with Daniel Jones early on. So it's the same handicap as last week, Sumo. We're just plugging in the Jets for the Commanders. Um, and uh, I expect Wink Martindale to keep the same. I think he's going to dial up a lot of blitzes and hope that he can confuse Zach Wilson again. Uh, Falcons-Titans an interesting game. The Falcons... Yes. Other than Bijan Robinson having a headache and screwing all his fantasy owners last week, the Falcons have been a very healthy team this year. They've avoided a lot of big injuries. Uh, the Titans, uh, last time we saw them, Traylon Burks didn't play. T.R. Tart uh, was hurt. And Ryan Tannehill's the big one. It looks like he's got a high ankle. He probably is not going to go. But we don't know who the, their starting quarterback is going to be, Malik Willis or Will Levis. Um, the line right now is Atlanta minus one, one and a half in a lot of places. Is As a better, would, would you... Would you feel more confident knowing that Malik Willis is the quarterback just because you are aware of what he is and what he's not, whereas Will Levis is a total wild card in this situation? Yes, probably, probably yes. But I think either way, it's probably probably a bad matchup for them stylistically because 
the Falcons defense is, is very good at stopping the run. They 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 play tight coverage on on on, on high leverage downs. So basically, kind of like, like the Saints defense, which is funny because it's the 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 DCO came over from New Orleans. Yeah. So stylistically, these defenses are, are very similar, and I think it's not a great matchup for a rookie quarterback or or a Malik Willis who has hasn't shown us anything um, right now. So I think this line is probably a, a little bit short. Um, I, I expected the the Falcons to to be favored slightly uh, or at least a, a little bit higher here because there is nothing to su suggest that Ryan Tannehill will A, play, and B, if he plays, would be healthy enough to play. So um, he had that same right, right, same right high ankle sprain as last year. Last year, he missed two weeks. He played after three weeks, and then he re-aggravated it later in, in, in the season. So even if he was somewhat close to being able to play this week, which I don't think he is, I might expect them to play the safe route and not throw him out there if he's not 100%. Um, also, I've read a tweet today that there are rumors that the Titans want to see what they got in Will Levis. Don't know. We will see. But either way, I think um, this offense was like not close to being good with Ryan Tenhill. And now I think if you throw in Will Levis or Malik Willis behind that offensive line against the, the Falcons defense, I don't think it's a great recipe for, for success. I was talking with Jason uh, before the show started about uh, teams that I've bet on or bet against a lot. And the team that I've bet against the most this year has been the Titans. I, I continue to uh, believe that market's too high on them. Uh, this is an interesting game, uh, familiarity between Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel, uncommon opponents, Tennessee off of a bye, Desmond Rear looks pretty good. This is an interesting line uh, line and matchup. Let's talk Vikings-Packers. Uh, my God, I, I don't know what Green Bay did or who they pissed off, which football god they pissed off because I'm getting tired of looking at this uh, injury report. Like, just yep. when you think – you know, they're going to get healthy. Jair Alexander pops up on the injury report out of nowhere. And Eric Stokes comes off IR and he gets, he gets hurt in the game. And then Musgrave got hurt. And Christian Watson looks like he might have a multiple-week injury. And I just think we're never going to get to uh, experience what this Green Bay team could have been. Uh, how, do you put, how do you put a number on them every week, given how many injuries they're dealing with? Even Aaron Jones doesn't look like he's fully healthy. Are, are they uh, – I – my reaction has been to avoid betting their games. Uh, others, they keep getting tempted, I guess, by the shiny object and what they could be. Um, they're just a little too banged up for me to ever have a good feel for them. What's your feel for Green Bay uh, six games into the season? Tough, really tough. It, 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 it's, it's really tough to uh, put a good number on them because of all the injuries. Still a very, very young team. And so... With a young team, you would expect variance to begin with, but this young team is also injured all the time. Offensive line is not playing that well. Um, you said it, the, the, the injuries to their receiving group. Now secondary, three starters could be out again next week. Jair Alexander, is, it's, it's very concerning with his ongoing back injury. Yeah. So it's it's really, really tough for me to to put a good number on Green Bay so far. I I also haven't been involved in a lot of games with them. I, I think I had one bet on their games this year. It was against uh, Atlanta. 
where I luckily got the Falcons. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm mostly staying away from their games for now. Yeah, uh, I had one bet on, on them as well, but it was not against Atlanta. I'll have to pull up who it was against after, but let's move on to the Browns and Seahawks. Uh, this line right now uh, has been floating between two and a half and three. Um, Pinnacle has it minus three plus 101. I guess I guess all the Browns games, when you bet them, it's just how good are your sources on Deshaun Watson's health and if he's going to play or not. Uh, my question for you is, has the number from Watson to P.J. Walker shrunk for you as far as when Walker comes in versus what Watson is? Be because for me, that's what, what has been happening. It's Watson's impact. I don't think it's as big anymore. Um, how do you read the whole Watson situation? And then what happens when P.J. Walker comes into you uh, as far as a line value perspective? Completely agree. I think that P.G. Walker is one of the worst starting quarterbacks, maybe the worst right now. So um, when you compare like the the last four, five, six seasons of, of data of quarterbacks, no matter what efficiency metric you use, he's really down at the bottom among all of them. So, um, But yeah, Deshaun Watson, I don't think that he's that big of an upgrade anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and now with his shoulder issue, we don't know whether he's close to 100% regarding that. Um, and, and he's really making a lot of boneheaded plays. And it, it, it's, it's really tough to, to anchor towards priors because he's just, he just hasn't shown us anything to believe he can play up to that um, old Houston Texans level. So, um, yeah, it, it, it has definitely shrunk, but... I still think Deshaun Watson is an is an upgrade over PJ Walker. Yeah, uh, just because of how bad PJ Walker is, but like I don't yes. even know if Deshaun Watson's an average quarterback anymore. I, I haven't seen it. Like it's 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 too long now. I, I don't remember the last time I thought to myself Deshaun Watson is a really good quarterback and, and being confident in saying that. All right, let's let's look to Monday Night Football. This is a big game. The 49ers and Vikings. The Vikings have one of the best offensive lines in football. Even though Ezra Cleveland, uh, their starting guard, is going to be out, they've got a capable backup guard. Uh, the 49ers, no Trent Williams, no Debo Samuel, and then it looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to play despite the oblique injury. When you start to think of this game, Sumo, what matchups are you coming up with? First of all, um, Brock Purdy against the Brian Flores blitzing defense. Brock Purdy has been excellent against the blitz this this season. Um, I also didn't take too much away from their um, game against the Browns, which was really uh, weird from a circumstances um, point of view. So yep. I think tonight in a dome, they, they, they will be completely fine. I think that Trent Williams being out will matter. Yes. or might matter at some point depending on the game script. But I think that Kyle Shannon will probably come up with a proper game plan against this um, Vikings defense. I, I'm not sure that Vikings really have the horses to consistently beat San Francisco with their with their blitzes. I think that Shannon will, in, will have in, enough answers for this. And then the question is for me, can Kirk Cousins and the Justin Jefferson-less um, Vikings receivers really step up and um, keep pace uh, with the Niners offense? I think that 
their tackles will hold up very well in pass protection or, or better than some might expect because I think they have a top four, top three tackle tandem right now. Yes. Um, but the Niners are also very good at the interior. So Cousins might face a little bit more interior pressure tonight. And it, it's it's very tough to to see them consistently moving the ball down the field against this this pass rush without Justin Jefferson. Chadavius Ward is a very good cornerback. If he keeps uh, in on, on one of the receivers, Fred Warner is very good over the middle. So TJ Hawkins might have a bad matchup or, or a tough matchup. So there's not much to like about the Vikings. Um, I would have liked to, to bet the um, Niners in the spot, but the injuries to Debo Samuel and Trent Williams really got me off of that edge at um, at, at a soft minus six and a half. So I'm very likely staying away tonight. Yeah, um, two things. I actually think Brian Flores has been the best uh, coordinator hire of the entire uh, um, defensive side of the ball. Like I thought it would be Vic Fangio, um, but Flor- we, we were expecting bad things from Minnesota. And if anything, they've kind of been league average, which is a lot better than expected. Um, I want to finally see this offense without Trent Williams, just because we can talk about how good their scheme is and, you know, makes up for maybe what we thought was a lack of talent on the O-line, but it's easy to do when you have one of the best left tackles in football. Now you have to account for that. And George Kittle can, you know, help chip on the right side, but they're going to need something on the left side. Now. Um, I also want to see what it looks like when, you know, Brandon Ayuk is the the one option and maybe McCaffrey's not fully healthy. Uh, and then George Kittle, does he stay into block more or does, or do they need to use him as a weapon? Uh, I don't know. I can't get to this number with my numbers. So I have to reluctantly bet on the Minnesota Vikings uh, plus seven. I think pinnacle has it minus minus one thirteen. I am going to bet that number um, and just pray that if Kirk cousins doesn't throw, interceptions if they can avoid the fumbles because that's the other thing i think minnesota's uh their team is better than their metrics uh their metrics are better than their final scores and their results yes yes. which happens you know when you you know have 10 red zone uh turnovers if you can avoid the big turnover uh i think the vikings are frisky enough to make this a game so i want to give out uh minnesota plus seven minus 113 i will take that on pinnacle uh suma thanks so much man with cleave ta out you did so much of the heavy lifting so i always appreciate that yes thank you george and uh, we'll talk again next week all right we'll be back again tomorrow at two o'clock with myself and sharp clark to break down some film recap the monday nighter and give you the first thursday night preview you won't want to miss it. Please subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. Also, smash the like button. It really helps to boost us in the algorithm. That's it for me. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time. 